0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast, I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look ahead to the Arrowhead Stadium regular season finale against the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday. Also, a check in on several Chiefs players that have been recently placed in COVID-19 protocols ahead of this Sunday's game and their availability moving forward. But first, as always, we check in with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 15 victory over the Chargers?
1: Yeah, there are definitely a few things. Um, first off, hats off to the defense. I mean, they've really helped Kansas City in this game, and they did so without Chris Jones, without Willie Gay Jr., and without LeJaria Sneed. I mean, that was as impressive as it was surprising uh, to see, to say the least. Uh, because really, I mean... Chris Jones, your best pass rusher, Willie Gay Jr., your your best coverage linebacker, the guy with all the side sideline side to sideline ability, and then Snead, you know, uh, has been coming on strong in recent weeks. So, um, you know, to to have him absent for a second consecutive game, I guess you're a little bit more prepared for it. But I, I just thought that was a uh, very surprising to see how well the defense held up without without those key pieces and. You know, by the end of the game, even, you know, early on, pressure was difficult to come by. But I think they got the hang of it by the end of the game. I know Melvin Ingram um, and and Mike Dana, uh, I, I know they had a couple of pressures, uh, some good some good pressures. Uh, Tershawn Wharton as well, too. I think Tershawn Wharton and Ingram were right at the top there. But <clears throat> I don't think anyone expected... Uh, the chief's defense to hold the chargers to 9 points again with those those absences on the defensive side of the ball but they did just enough and, and that i mean kudos to them credit to them uh keeping keeping the team uh in the game when you know uh the offense was was struggling a little bit there early on and then you know on the offensive side of the ball uh one thing that maybe you didn't catch but Clyde Edwards-Gallaire had a big surge in snaps he, the two weeks prior, kind of basically split snaps with Daryl Williams. But this week, uh, he, he's back to being the, the clear number one option for Kansas City. Uh, I think he had, you know, over 70% of the offensive snaps compared to, to Williams, who had, you know, down around 40%, um, uh, or uh, a little bit less than 40%. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're making a concerted effort to get um, – Edwards-Alaire more involved. They're, they're also making a concerted effort to get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, he was targeted, I believe, four times. He caught two of those passes, which, you know, obviously only a little 50% catch right there. But, uh, you know, he had a really nice catch on an angle route out of the backfield. And I, I've always felt that it was the biggest thing that was lacking from edwards lair since coming up to the NFL out of LSU was, was getting him involved in the passing game because that was really one of his big strengths, and uh, they, they just hadn't been doing a lot of it, uh, mainly because, you know, the passing attack for Kansas City, it goes through the deep ball and, and downfield, and you're not going to get your running back too much involved in that. But, um, you know, now that they're they're leaning more towards this, okay, we'll take what the defense gives us type of offense, um, it, getting him more involved in the passing game is, is really important, and I think that's going to pay dividends down the line. Also, I'm not, I, I mean, I can't not mention Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey here, because they all stepped up in a big way this week right when the Chiefs needed it, you know, fourth quarter into overtime. And uh, they just have that clutch gene, uh, especially in these big games over the past three years. Um, and it's hard not to respect it when it just happens time and time again. Uh, and they just keep, you know, pulling out these, these incredible Big moments and the biggest of games for, uh, for Kansas City. So, uh, kudos to them. I, I thought that was just so, so impressive and a, a great win just all around for the team.
0: After last Thursday's performance, do you believe Travis Kelsey has silenced any doubters regarding his top tight end status?
1: Yeah, the, the hate for Kelsey won't ever stop. And that's probably a greater indication of why he's the best tight end in the game than anything else, right? Uh, But, look, I mean, uh, there's no doubt that that was an all-time performance for Kelsey. And it comes just two weeks after people were questioning whether he was washed up. Uh, He had the back-to-back performances with, like, I think three receptions for 27 yards. They were literally the exact same stat line in back-to-back games. And then, boom, he just uh, explodes. He's the chief savior on offense. He He had the most yards in a single game of his career. I believe it was 192 And uh, the second longest reception of his career, 69 yards, uh, most of which came after the catch. So, I mean, honestly, if you're one gripe about Kelsey, which it always seems to be, is his blocking, then you're just not paying much attention because that's been fine too this year uh, and other years as well. Um, He was just selected for his seventh consecutive Pro Bowl. Only Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez have more consecutive Pro Bowl selections in their career. I mean, that that just tells you he's right up there with the elite of the elite. And uh, he's going to be remembered as one of, if not the greatest, tight end to ever play the game whenever his career ends. I hope it's not soon. Obviously, he's under contract through 2025. So we got a couple more years of uh, big production from Kelsey coming. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's always going to be doubters. But uh, I I think that, that, you know. That, that is what is going to uh, make him great.
0: How concerned should fans be with players and games moving forward regarding COVID protocols?
1: Yeah, I don't think you should worry so much about the games. Those are going to happen uh, come hell or high water. The NFL is not going to allow any games to be canceled, postponed, or um, it may be postponed, but they're not going to allow games to be canceled, and they're certainly not going to allow teams to forfeit. Uh, they want to make their money. But I absolutely think fans should be uh, very concerned about the players. I mean, on Monday, 51 NFL players tested positive for COVID-19, and that includes Travis Kelsey, Harrison Butker, and Charvarius Ward. Um, That mark was a single-day high at at any point of the pandemic over the past two years. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, at this point, at least to me it's obvious, the NFL isn't really concerned about mitigating spread. Um, the lack of testing is what makes that obvious. Uh, they just don't want to lose any more money. And it seems like they're willing to risk the health of the players to do that. And uh, the players are going along with it because they want to play. NFLPA at first didn't want to change the COVID protocols to with these new changes. But the majority of the players wanted less testing and easier return to play. And that's what they got. So... Uh, I, I don't expect things to get better. In fact, they're probably going to get worse over the next three weeks and, and settle down just as the, the playoffs get started. And, and I also expect more changes to uh, the league's COVID protocols moving forward. But, uh, yeah, it's just it, it, it's not looking good. It looks like a, a real mess right now with all of uh, these COVID positive cases happening around the league.
0: Which rookie has been most impressive this season, Creed Humphrey or Nick Bolton?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really t- that's a tough one. You put me on the spot here with that. But um, I think if Bolton had played the entire season as a starter, he'd be up there uh, because he's probably, you know, at this point crushing the Chiefs rookie tackle record. I mean, he has a chance to even, like, get there, to be honest, in the next three weeks, uh, just depending, you know, if he can keep up some of these uh, double-digit tackle games. But uh, he certainly defied expectations. Uh, Bolton has, but I think Humphrey is just having a really special season on offense. I mean, think about—we're in week 16 now, with nearly a thousand snaps played by Humphrey, and um, he, yeah, he's he's allowed 10 total pressures and only been called for five penalties on the season. And, and all of this is a rookie, too. I mean. Uh, then you consider that he's just been a monster in the run game as well. Just flat out dominating guys, be it you know in a phone booth or, or getting out in space. And um, he'll have earned a Pro Bowl nod by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, I can guarantee you that. And he's totally deserving of it. Uh, in fact, he should probably be the NFL's offensive rookie of the year after Mac Jones' recent fall from grace. But the NFL doesn't appreciate offensive linemen. We know that. Uh, So, you know, if he wants to get that award, he needs to have, like, the most memorable block in the history of the game in order to get enough recognition to earn that award uh, at this point. I I think that's the only chance he has uh, just because, you know, it's always quarterbacks, running backs, uh, receivers, you know, whatever that that win that Offensive Player of the Year award because – or Offensive Rookie of the Year award, I'm sorry – because they're the ones who are, you know, out there getting all the glory and, you know, offensive lineman's job isn't as pretty. So <laughs> I think that uh, he, he's got a, a tough uh, tough way ahead for that one, but he's had such such a great season, very impressive season. And, I mean, I'm excited about him being the, the chief center of the future and having a chance to grow and work alongside Patrick Mahomes uh, moving forward.
0: In your opinion, how important is it for the Chiefs to clinch the top seed in the AFC heading into the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think it's very important this year uh, because you don't get that bye bye week without the number one seed. But I'm not sure the bye week is as important as we give it credit for. I think what's going to be more important and what will give the Chiefs a massive advantage throughout the playoffs is, uh, you know, getting the number one seed, you clinch home field throughout the postseason. So every game that's played would be played at Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, this defense has been indomitable lately. And they're even better when they're uh, at Arrowhead Stadium with the roaring crowd at their backs. And I don't think any AFC team right now is going to come into Arrowhead and and beat Kansas City if they're at full strength. So I I just think that having that crowd and having that advantage could be the key to getting back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so, so I'm looking more at that than than that bye week. I think you know, bye week or not, they're going to find a way to get the rest and, and take care of business. But um, yeah, I, I think that that if you get that home field advantage, that that it can be a serious serious advantage for Kansas City.
0: Who do you believe is the X factor heading into Week 16 versus Pittsburgh?
1: You know, at the time of this recording, uh, we don't know what Travis Kelsey's status will be for the game. He's was placed uh, on the reserve COVID-19 list, obviously, on uh, on Monday there. Should he not play, I'm looking to Noah Gray, uh, rookie tight end for Kansas City, to potentially be the beneficiary. Um, remember, we heard all offseason about Gray, and then early on in the year, he was kind of a ghost. He wasn't involved in the game plan, the offense very frequently, wasn't getting many snaps. Um, they've been involving him with a greater frequency lately, obviously after um, uh, Jody Fortson uh, went on injury reserve with the Achilles injury. But um, even more so, you know, some weeks he's getting more snaps than Blake Bell. And I suspect he's a guy who could surprise in the passing game and have, like, a big game were Kelsey to be absent in Week 16. So outside of that scenario, I think this could be a big week for the ground game for Kansas City. Over the past three games, Pittsburgh has allowed a whopping uh, 183.3 yards uh, on the ground uh, per game. So... Uh, That's the third worst mark in the NFL during that span. And I think they're, I believe, uh, second worst in the NFL just over the whole season in in, uh, rushing yards allowed per game. So if the Chiefs commit to the running game and running the ball in this one, I I think they're going to see very favorable results on offense. Uh, Specifically, you're going to see a lot of... um, you know, short yardage situations on third down and just, uh, you know, pick up a lot of first downs and really march the ball down the field. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Melvin Ingram. Um, he obviously played for the Steelers earlier this season uh, before he was traded to Kansas City. And uh, I, I think he knows, you know, he knows the offensive lineman he's going to be facing and went up against them in practice, but they also know him. So I feel like the onus is going to be on Ingram to kind of turn that familiarity into an advantage when facing his former team. And he's kind of got something to prove, too, because, you know, the the coaching staff in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, he felt like he should be getting more snaps and playing more. And they were kind of phasing him out when he kind of forced his way off of that team. So I think he's got something to prove to those coaches and to say, hey, I'm the guy that I think I am. And uh, you guys should have, you know, should have played me more frequently and should have, uh, you know, kept me on the field and let me do my thing. So, yeah, I think I, I think uh, Ingram has the potential to be a, a big X factor heading into this game.
0: And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs? Wire you like to highlight from the past week? Yeah,
1: so we're a bit past our postgame content from Thursday Night Football, uh, the win over the Chargers in overtime. Uh, however over the weekend i took a peek at the chiefs uh unrestricted free agents coming up this off season. they have over two uh not exactly two dozen of them so uh 20 24 unrestricted free agents there's a lot of guys who are uh looking for a new contract but i took a look at each of them and and kind of their outlook uh with the team for the future um so check that that article out over at chiefswire.com uh beyond that we've got uh, a lot of content on the Chiefs' playoff chances, whether it's looking at the playoff picture and other teams around the league, uh, or even betting odds. And, and then, of course, we've got plenty of preview content uh, for the upcoming game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in to our podcast and uh, and reading the website. We really couldn't do any of this uh, without your support. So, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you guys so much for doing that. And, you know, it's that time again, Ed. You know what I say now. Go Chiefs.
2: Updates on injuries right now. Rick's actually spending most of his time going through the new protocol. And, um, and then kind of coaching us up as, as we go. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll have a pretty good grasp of it by the time we get through today and we'll be able to move forward. So, um, and then listen, we've got, uh, we were able to sit back and watch these games, uh, yesterday. We've got a big challenge with Pittsburgh coming in here. I'm glad we're playing here. Um, at home and so, uh, but they, they sure have a good football team and we gotta get ourselves ready for that. Players won't be back in until, until tomorrow. So, um, we won't have anything for you, until um, till, Wednesday there. So anyways, with that time, yours.
0: first to Herbie Tiope. Go
2: ahead, Herbie. Hey, coach, uh, speaking of the protocols, uh, it was a curious or wondering if, if, how Chris Jones, Willie Gay, and Josh Gordon are progressing uh, while they remain in the protocol, and then lastly, how hopeful are you that they'll be available for you against Pittsburgh? Yeah, well, I'm hoping. Listen, I'm I'm hoping they're going to be there, but uh, um, we just got to see how it goes. I mean, uh, you know, there's a matrix of things that you've got to kind of work out. Uh, that's that's where Rick comes in. I'm I, I can't. Sit here and tell you how all that works right now. But, uh, Rick in, and, uh, he's working, he's gonna work through everything every day and, uh, see where we're at. So, but it's, it's day to day as you go, I mean, with these tests. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin.
3: And Brad, I'll have a follow up. Uh, Coach, on the, on the COVID side of things, You know, we haven't been through this, right, for years and years, but we did go through it last year, and, you know, when everybody goes indoors, the numbers go up. Are you surprised the NFL maybe didn't have some of these things they're turning to now, maybe two, three, four weeks ago, when the weather started turning colder, that maybe they they could have been in front of it instead of reacting to it?
2: No. Listen, I think they've exhausted the different – all the different variables that go into this thing. I mean, they – it's uh, i i'm here and so i know how many times rick is on uh the, these the, these chats like we're doing here uh with the league's medical staff and so i mean it's they they try to cover every base they possibly can and willing to adjust and move and and change things so i you know i i don't know enough here Sarand, uh unfortunately to to debate it um but I, I know that they are spending time. It's not something that's been neglected, for sure, and they're they're the experts. I'm not, so I kind of defer to them on it.
3: And then on a football side of things, Mike Tomlin, uh, what, what what's made him uh, such a successful coach? There, so A lot of times people, especially the last couple of years, they've been having to kind of restructure their cap and have probably had to let more players go than they'd like, yet he still has, has been fighting for a pleasant last year with – you know, a, a merry-go-round at quarterback still. He's never finished below 500. What, what When you look at Mike Tomlin, what's made him so successful?
2: Yeah, so I, Mike is very honest with his guys and I, I think very honest with his judgment of his players. Um, and, and so that becomes important. Uh, you know, he he loves his guys up. I mean, he's a player, he's coach and all that. But at the same time, he's realistic, he ain't realistic and he's not afraid to tell a guy. Listen you're probably creeping up on the end here, you know, and uh and or keep him around uh, during a negotiation you know we probably need this guy to be here, but I think that communication with their general manager I think is is healthy and and then the players know that I mean you don't hear people complaining about how he does things, so uh, so I think he keeps he shoots them straight. It's us to next to Pete Sweeney go Pete. Hey coach, uh, a little bit of a deeper question here with you guys, um, going from three and four to now in control here. Um, one of your teachings that you constantly say is the day by day approach and, um, not looking ahead, not getting too high or too low. Would you consider that like your core teaching as a head coach? And I, I was just curious what the origins of, was it from Mike Holmgren or, or even before that in, in, earlier in your life. Yeah, I probably, I mean, listen, I, I think, uh, I've been, listen, I've been blessed on this p have some great coaches all the way up from youth leagues on up. So um, I've taken it from all of those, all of those people. Mike Holmgren had a huge influence on me. Lavelle Edwards, uh, my high school coaches, JC coaches. I mean, they all, they all had great influence on me. So um, I'm not sure where that all came about uh, to give you an accurate answer on it, but I, I believe that, you know. Next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead. Andy, um, you mentioned that the players wouldn't be in until tomorrow. I was wondering whether they can come in tomorrow, or do you have to do everything over Zoom or WebEx or like this? Um, Or can you can you guys gather in person? And Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah, right now we can gather as as, yeah together. So. Then that's the plan for now. Yes. Okay. Um, I know you guys haven't. clinched anything yet, but you certainly got some help over the weekend from your friends around the league. How much attention did you pay what was going on with New England uh, Saturday and, and Tennessee yesterday? Well, I watched the games. I mean, I, they were great games to watch. You know, so um, I was a viewer uh, like everybody because uh, we didn't have you know, we didn't have the guys here. So um but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the competition and I know how it lines up. I mean, I see that, but, uh, the important thing is that we take care of our business now, uh, like we've been doing the last few weeks and, um, you know, don't count on anybody but ourselves. Get, therefore you got to go back through the process and the hard work and all those things to get yourself right for the game. Thanks
3: to Sam McDowell. Good, Sam. Andy, you talked about the fact that Rick is going to have to go over everything, and it just sounds like it's a lot of time, right? I mean, how much does that take away from your football prep, or do you you have to put in even more time for for this? And is there any level of frustration for a guy who spends so much time working on the things he can control that this is something that you might not be able to completely control?
2: Yeah, this is – it's, um, I would tell you, Sam, that I got used to it last year. So all, all the little sudden changes, I'm sure there are going to be some more. So, um, I, I look around at the different teams and they're doing that. We've, we've had a couple things the last week where we had to make a couple sudden changes. So, um, I, you know, I try, uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. That's what Rick does. And and so Rick explains it to the coaches and, uh, and, and to the players and then we roll with it. Um, he's the one that's put a, put a lot of time into it and continues to put a lot of time into it.
4: But
5: my true love came to me a play drawn up by cold free. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two yellow gloves and a plate drawn up by cold tree. On the third day of cheese, my true love gave to me three defense of Two yellow gloves and a plate drawn up by cold free. On the fourth day of cheese, my true love gave to me. Four broken tackles, three defensive, and two yellow gloves And and a play drawn up by Coach Reed. On
4: the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Five
5: wide Four broken tackles, three three defensive, and two yellow gloves And 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 a play drawn up by Coach
4: Reed. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Six points, we're scoring. Five wideouts, see
5: Four broken tackles. Three defensive ends. Two yellow gloves. And, and a play three. drawn up by Coach Reed. On the seventh day of cheese, Miss My True Love gave to me. Seven butts a-kicking. Six points, we're scoring.
4: Five wideouts,
5: see Four broken tackles. Three defensive ends. Two yellow gloves. And, and a play three. drawn up by Coach Eight day of cheese, miss my true love gate to me. Eight games and arrowhead, seven butts are kicking, six points we're scoring.
4: Five wideouts deep,
5: four broken tackles, three defensive ends, two yellow gloves, and a play drawn up by Coach Reed. On the ninth day of cheese, miss my true love gate to me. Nine Texans County, eight games and error. Rate. seven butts are kicking, six points we're scoring. Five. Four broken tackles, three defensive ends, two yellow gloves, and, and a play drawn up by Coach Reed. On the 10th day of Chiefs was my true love game to me, 10 yards we're gaining, 9 in counting, 8 in in error, 7 butts are kicking 6 points we're scoring,
4: 5 wide out,
5: 4 broken tackles, three defensive ends, two yellow gloves, and, and, and a play, and play drawn up by Coach
4: Reed. On the eleventh
5: day of Chiefs, miss my true love gave to me. Eleven celebrations, ten yards we're gaining, nine in counting, eight games in air. seven butts are kicking, six points we're scoring.
4: Five wideouts deep,
5: four broken tackles, three defensive ends, two yellow gloves, and a play drawn up by Coach Reed
4: On the twelfth day of Chiefs, miss my true love gave to me. Twelve
5: jeeps are chopping, 11, eleven celebrations. seniors yards we're gaining, nine in county. Eight games an error, seven butts are kicking. Six points we're scoring,
4: five wideouts. Three
5: four broken tackles, three defense ends, Two yellow gloves. and a play!
0: As always, if you have any thoughts on the show, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr., catch us next week.